are listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Podcast. Hey, my name's Heath. Uh, I am the Inside Out Director of the High School Ministry here at Brownsbridge Church. And I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight um, because I love the idea for this series we're doing, this unashamed. And so uh, I, f- I feel like I haven't got the chance to meet a lot of you. So I wanted to kind of introduce myself in a way that you guys could kind of know me and get to know me a little bit. So I wanted to participate in Lauren's exercise from hosting when I kind of tell you some things that I'm unashamed of. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, when you're unashamed, you have to just be honest and own whatever those things are. And so for me, I feel that I am unashamed, that I think Florida Georgia Line has some good songs. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're very much the sounds of summer. I know it's bro country. I know it's not real. Like, I get it. They're um, more rock stars than country musicians. I get it. But some of their songs are fun. Um, I am unashamed that uh, my wife is currently rewatching Grey's Anatomy. And uh, I'm watching it with her and enjoying it. And you know what? I'm, I'm like, so how are they together? Didn't she used to be with him? Like, I, I'm putting it together and it's not as bad as I thought. Guys, give it a chance, okay? Um, I'm unashamed in that. Lastly, lastly about me, uh, I am unashamed that I uh, was born and raised in the great state of Alabama. And so, yeah, all right. Uh, good, some Alabama folks in the room, I guess. Um, so a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about Alabama, and I love to, you know, own it and say I'm proud to be there and, uh, you know, to break some stereotypes that, you know, I have all my teeth. I like wearing shoes. Um, the trailer parks are a lot nicer than they show on TV. And uh, marrying your sister isn't all that bad. So um, it's, it's one of those things where I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm just going to be unashamed. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here tonight, and I'm so glad that we get to kind of uh, do tonight together, because I do think that uh, God has you here for a reason tonight. I think that you're here because of various reasons. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you've been coming. Maybe you're a regular. Um, But I think that God has you here to hear something special from His Word tonight. Um, I started thinking that a lot of times we get caught up doing things that we don't want to do because we know the results aren't what we want. For instance, um, last night, my my wife uh, got home late and I was like, you know what, I'll cook dinner. And uh, she had bought groceries. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna be a good husband. It's gonna be a good healthy meal. We had grilled chicken, we had Brussels sprouts, we had sweet potatoes. And I was like, man, this is great. The chicken was still in the freezer. So I was like, it's fine, I'll go by the store. I'll get some other chicken and I'll cook it. And as I was going through, you know, I grabbed, went and grabbed chicken. I was going to go cook it. I was walking up to the line. And you know they have stuff on the ends of aisles on, for a reason because it's like it's stuff to like draw you in. And even though you don't really need it, that's not why you went to the store. You're like, oh, I do need those. And I walked by and they had the party size pack of double stuff Oreos. And I was like, I'm going to cook a healthy meal for dinner tonight, but maybe later I might need a snack, right? Like, and I, I so I grabbed the party size pack of Oreos. So here's my, my chicken, my to grilled chicken. And then I have a party size pack of Oreos checking out. And I was like, it's fine. I'm only going to eat one or two at a time, even though it's a party pack. Like I know you, I can feel you silently judging me in your seats. Um, even though it's a party size pack, I'm only going to have one or two at a time uh, because, you know, like I'm watching my figure and watching it expand. And so I don't want it to get any bigger than it is. So I'm just going to have one or two. Sure enough, I get home, we cook dinner. It's very healthy, grilled chicken, Brussels sprouts, sweet potato. It's really great. And then about nine o'clock hits 
And I'm like, I bought those Oreos. I'm going to go, I'm going to have a couple. So I pour me a glass of milk because it's not really Oreos unless you have milk. And I dunk a couple in there. Next thing you know, guys, I've had like 12. And the party pack is like half gone. Like you rip the little thing open and it's like empty. And I'm like, this is why I have to wake up early in the morning and exercise because I have no self-control when it comes to sweets. Like, and I know the pattern. It's like, Heath, why don't you just stop buying Oreos? And it's like, even though I know the end result, I can't help myself. Maybe you guys can relate. Maybe there's some things in your life where you're like, even though I know the end result isn't what I want, I find myself doing these same things over and over again. I know that I have a big test to study for. Why am I waiting till 11 p.m. the night before, before I start even looking for my notes to see if I have anything to study? Or I'm calling my friends and be like, hey, did you go to class? I need some notes ASAP. Like we wait to the last second. Or you know what? I have a paper due tomorrow. I'm going to write it just as soon as I finish this episode of The Office. Um, three seasons later, it's 3 a.m. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's due in like two hours. Like why? I have to do this now. Like we do, we do these things time and time again. We make the same mistakes. And we're like, why do we keep buying in with the hope that the results are going to be different? Some of you guys are Atlanta sports fans. Um, we all know the Falcons are going to somehow end up miserable. The Braves, it's almost October, so it's time for the Braves to start losing. And if you're a Georgia fan, just wait till December and they're going to blow it to somebody. So like it's... It's one of those things where why do we keep getting our hopes up when the results tend to always be the same? If that's you here tonight, I want to give you a little bit of peace to say, hey, you're not alone. Um, we've all been to those places where we try to do things and the end results keep being what we don't want. And we find ourselves going through this pattern over and over again. In fact, you're in some really great company because um, one of the guys who wrote part of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, um, is the Apostle Paul. Some of you guys are very familiar with the Apostle Paul. Some of you, he might be a new guy to you. Apostle Paul wrote a bunch of letters to a bunch of churches um, uh, throughout uh, different parts of the world. He was one of the greatest Christian missionaries that we know. And one of the letters he wrote to a church was to the church in Rome. And uh, we call that the book of Romans. And so this series, Unashamed, we're actually walking through the book of Romans to see what uh, the Apostle Paul has to say for us. And the Apostle Paul, this great Christian, this missionary, this guy who planted churches everywhere and wrote letters, wrote half the New Testament, even he struggled with this. This is what he says in Romans chapter 7. He says, For I do not do the good that I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Paul says, I keep on doing all the things I don't want to do. I keep buying Oreos and eating half the box in one sitting, even though I don't want to do that. And he says, the things that I do want to do, like eat healthy, I keep not doing those things. Like he said, it's this dilemma that he's in. And if that's you tonight, welcome to the club. Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, or this is your first time you've ever stepped foot in a church, we've all felt this struggle. This dilemma is not something that's new to you. We've all been there. We've all tried to stop doing something that's destructive for our lives. And we keep finding ourselves falling back into those same patterns time and time and time again. And for many of us, we've tried to start doing good habits healthy things, studying, you know, before the night before the test. And yet we continue to find ourselves struggling to do the things that we want to do. So the apostle Paul says, hey, that thing within us that is bent towards bad, that is bent towards wrong, he calls it sin. And if you're familiar with church terms, sin is this word that means missing the mark. It means that you uh, make mistakes. It's not that you are a mistake, it's that you make mistakes. And um, if you're a person breathing in this room, uh, you make mistakes. We all do. Um, we all fall short. We all make mistakes. And so Paul's saying, hey, that thing within you that you can't explain, that you keep failing over and over again, he said, that's you 
living out of your sin. Sin has this control on our lives that we may not be aware of, that we may not even think about or know about, but yet it's the explanation for the reason why we can't seem to do the things that we want to do and we keep on doing the things that we don't want to do. So when I began to like think about tonight, I was like, okay, so that's a pretty common concept. Like people are bad. People make mistakes. Like if that's shocking news to you, then you haven't been in this world very long. Um, But in general, we all make mistakes. We all fall short. But here's the thing that that blew me away and it shocked me. When I put my, I came to, to, I was a kid who was raised in church for a long time. And when I came to faith in, in Jesus, I was a little kid. And I was under the impression that if I came to Jesus and I put my faith in Jesus and Jesus forgives me of my sins, he forgives me of the mistakes that I made, that at that point in time, I was going to start getting it right. That from then on out, my life was going to be smooth sailing. That I was going to have it easy and I was going to do more right than wrong. But what I began to realize is this, is that sin follows you into faith. Sin follows you into faith. When you put your faith in Jesus and you begin to walk in faith in him, Your sin doesn't just stop. I viewed it as like an on-off switch that like when I got into this faith world and I was like, I believe in Jesus and I believe the Bible and I believe these things and now my life is gonna be perfect and easy and simple. And the fact of the matter is my life got more complicated, it got harder and the sins that I committed got deeper and worse. And so I went through this like moral, like questioning, this dilemma in my life that I was like, I don't think it took. I must have done something wrong. I must have made some kind of mistake. And so because I was a kid that was raised in church, every time someone like me strapped a microphone to their face and talked on stage and they talked about putting their faith in Jesus, I just put my faith in Jesus again and again and again and again. I was the kid that when you went to camp, if those of you who grew up in church and you went to like high school camp, that every year you got saved over and over again. Like I was that kid because I was like, I keep you know, putting my faith in Jesus, but I keep doing bad. And I can't seem to stop it. So clearly I've got something wrong. So just to be safe, I'm going to raise my hand again. I'm going to stand up again. I'm going to do this over again because I didn't understand. No one ever told me clearly that sin follows you into faith. Paul talks about this too in in, in Romans, actually in the chapter before in Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He basically says, all right, so what do we do about this? Because what some people do is they just lean into it. Like, all right, I keep sinning, I keep messing up. So you know what? I'm just gonna be a sinner. You know what? Jesus already forgives me. I'm just gonna keep on sinning. I'm not even gonna try. You know what? Throw me another white claw. Let's tear it down tonight. And I'm gonna have a great time. You know what? Because I'm already forgiven. Jesus already, he loves me. That's what the guy at church told me. Like, like it's fine. I'm just gonna keep sinning. There's plenty of grace. It's fine. Here's what Paul says. So do we go on sinning? So that grace may increase. He says, by no means, which is like the 80, 70 way of saying, heck no, we don't do that. He says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Basically what he says is that if you are following Jesus, you're supposed to die to your sins. How can you continually to live your life in sin? It would be like you're some kind of uh, zombie, right? That you're like the living dead. Like if you're dying to your sins and yet still doing them, it's this almost like, You can't be dead and alive at the same time. That's the reason zombie movies are fake. And I may have just ruined Halloween for some of you in the room. But the the fact of the matter is, is that those, that's not real. You can't be alive and dead at the same time. So for us, we have to make this conscious decision. Am I going to die to my sins? Am I going to leave that old life behind like Ryan talked about last week? Or am I going to 
um, continue to do the same things, make the same mistakes, go through the same patterns in life that got me to the point where I am now, where I'm unhappy with where I am and what my life looks like. So Paul goes on to say, he says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. To summarize that, what Paul says is if you want to live a new life, you're going to have to take that old life of sin and put it away, which is easier said than done, right? Little kid me tried to do it time and time again, and I failed time and time again. So I raised my hand at church time and time again, trying to get this right. So what do we do? Here's what I'm getting at. Every single one of us in this room needs to know this. You are a slave to whatever you obey. Now, I'm using this word slave, and I know that's like not a good word to use in today. I'm not talking about the atrocities that happened here 200 years ago. I'm saying that you are chained to whatever it is that you obey. And I know some of you guys in your room, in this room, you're, you're uh, you know, college-aged adults. You're living your, the most freedom you've ever had in your life. And you're like kind of bowing up at that sentence on the screen and you're saying, I'm not a slave to anything. I do what I want. Like I, 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 my, my mom doesn't even tell me what to do anymore. Like I can do whatever I want. I'm not a slave to nothing. But here's the thing. We're all a slave to something. And if you don't believe me, wait until like one o'clock in the morning and let your stomach start to growl. And all of a sudden, you'll find that we are all slaves to something because very few of us are going to be like, no, I want to make a healthy decision. I'm going to wait till the morning. No, we're like, huh, who wants to go to Waffle House? I'm going to call all of my friends, and I'm going to go eat. I'm going to eat junk food. It's going to give me bad gas. I'm going to feel like junk in the morning. And we are a slave to the things that we obey. If you obey your stomach in that moment, you are a slave to that. We're all slaves to things we obey. Some of you guys are slaves to social media. The comparison trap that you find on social media, I'm not as pretty as her. My life isn't as cool as his. I don't have as many followers as they do. Click and like and follow and subscribe my page. Like we have this, this slavery mentality of social media. We're chained to it. Some of you guys are slaves to school. You think that if I don't make the right grades, I won't get the right job, and then I won't marry the right person, and I can't have the right life, the thing that I've dreamed of. And so you chain yourself to the library or to your computer and to make perfect grades so you can have a perfect life. Some of you guys are slaves to work. You think that the key to life is having a lot of stuff and to make a lot of money. And we're all slaves to something in this world. The only thing is, is that what we choose to chain ourselves to, you actually have an option. For many of us, we choose to uh, be slaves to the things of this world. We choose to be slaves to the desires of our heart. We choose to be slaves to our sins and the things in our, in our heart and the things that are the, the things that Paul talked about when they're the bad things that we don't want to do or the good things that we can't seem to get right, we seem to be chained to the wrong thing. Uh, I read a, a, a thing this week about elephants. Um, how many of you guys like elephants? Any elephant fans in the room? I love elephants. I went to Uganda this summer, saw elephants in the wild. They're amazing. Um, one of them ran at our van and we sped off really fast. Uh, it was a little scary. They're so much bigger than you like imagine. They are huge creatures, right? But so people who um, raise elephants like in, in, in those countries have a technique um, like for the ones that are in captivity to keep them close by because a lot of those countries don't have like zoos like we do, right? So they have to come up with a new strategy to keep those animals where they want them. So when an elephant is a baby, they take it and they wrap a chain around its leg and tie it to a big tree. And so the baby elephant tries to walk away and it finds itself like stuck the tree, right? And it's so small and the tree's so big and the chain's so strong, it can't do anything about it. And over time, this elephant 
gets in its mind that if I have something wrapped around my leg, it's tied to a tree, there's not anything at all that I can do about it. As the elephant grows up, they take the chains off of the elephant and they put them on the babies again and repeat this cycle. But on the big adult elephants, they take this puny little thin rope and wrap it around its legs and tie it to the smallest little baby tree. And the elephant begins to walk and it feels that familiar tug on its legs and it stops. This giant 17-ton animal that literally knocks over trees in the wild to get its food is held back by a puny rope tied to a flimsy tree. Because in its mind, it's convinced itself that this is what's holding me back and it's never going to be any better than this right here and there's nothing I can do about it. I think for many of us in this room, the sins that we struggle with and the things that we wrestle with in our heart are things that we have for so long in our lives been tied to. And we've convinced ourselves that these are just things in life, that we can do nothing about them, that we have anxiety, that we deal with depression, that we have fears and insecurities. And they're things that are tied to a tree that we don't look back on and we don't even know what is holding us back, but they've been part of our lives for so long, we don't test them anymore. We just accept them as part of our lives. And I think we, like those adult elephants, grow so accustomed to it that we rarely push back and try to do anything different and to make our lives better in any way. We, what we don't realize is we're all a slave to whatever it is we obey, no matter how weak it may be in our lives. For those of you in this room who are following Jesus and you've made that step and you've put your faith in Jesus, so many of you are being held back from the life that Jesus has for you, from the life that God has set forth for you, the, the life that God has planned for you, because you're tied to the same sins that you wrestled with in middle school. You're tied to the same struggles and insecurities and fears that you dealt with all through high school. And you haven't progressed on past those because you've accepted them as part of your lives and you're allowing those things to reign in your life. Later on in chapter six of Romans, Paul goes on to talk about the things, the sins that reign in our lives. This is what he says in verse 11. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. He says, don't let sin have a hold of your life. Don't let it chain you to something that was never meant to hold you back. Those trees, elephants are built so big and so strong that they can physically knock trees over. They were never meant to be restrained by a puny rope and a tree, but they allow themselves to be because they've allowed that thing to reign in their life so long that they don't test it anymore. <clears throat> I think for many of you in the room, you feel the same way, that in our lives, we feel like there are certain options that we have to let things reign in our lives. For many of us, we allow sin, if this is a throne, to sit on the throne of our lives. Sin reigns. It tells us what we can't do. It tells us all the ways that we fail. It tells us all the ways that you fall short and you'll never be good enough and you'll never measure up. And it, it reminds you of those things that are the core fears in your heart. And it presses into the mistakes you made and say, you're just a failure because you keep failing. And it's that voice inside of you that you hate and it makes you go into those seasons of anxiety and depression and the things that we wrestle with. We allow sin to reign in our lives. So the, the, the natural response to that is to figure out, okay, so what's another option? And tonight, what I want us to think about and look at is that another option that we can have in our life is that we can allow Jesus to reign in our hearts and in our lives. That he can be the one that sits on the throne of our lives, that he can make those calls. He can resolve those fears. He can resolve those anxieties. He can resolve those insecurities you have by telling you something that you haven't thought of, by reminding you that you are worthy enough for him to die on the cross for you, that your, your fears and your failures and the sins that you've made, he paid for by putting his life on a cross and dying for them. 
But I think for many of us in the room, if, if we were honest, we probably were like, well, I'm not as bad as the, the chair on, on your left, my right here. I, I don't think sin's reigning in my life. Like it has a say, obviously, because no one's perfect. But I don't really feel like I'm, I'm fully surrendered and I'm allowing Jesus to reign in my life. And if I was going to be honest with you guys, I feel more like I'm in this chair. It's kind of a middle ground between the two. And essentially what it's asking is that you all shared seats with someone in like school or on a bus or something, right? And you do the one cheek on, one cheek off thing, you know, and you kind of are sitting halfway on, sin's got its share, Jesus has his share, and we're kind of splitting the road down the middle. That I'm, I'm split down the way that, that there are moments in my life where I'm, I'm weak and I fail. And, and sin kind of has control of my life. There's other areas of my life where I'm, I'm doing better and I'm allowing Jesus to reign, and, and, and I love celebrating him, and when I come to TLR on Wednesday nights, I feel so connected to him, and it's this battle between the two, and we're kind of stuck in the middle. I think if we're honest, that's where many of us find ourselves in the room tonight. I know for me, I often found myself in that same spot when I was your age in college, but this is what Paul goes on to say in the next couple of verses of Romans 6. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So what, what Paul's saying there is that he says, hey, every single one of you doesn't need to, there's no such thing as a instrument of wickedness. And I mean, there is such thing as an instrument of wickedness and an instrument of righteousness. What Paul doesn't give us is any kind of chair three. He says that your life is either serving as an instrument of wickedness, that you're, you're letting sin reign in your life, or you're letting Jesus reign in your life. And the fact of the matter is, if you found yourself sitting in chair three, you're probably a lot like me in that you're actually in chair one, but you're just comparing yourself to who's a little bit worse off than you. When I was in college, the instrument of wickedness in my life, that reigned in my life, was this beautiful Gateway M685E laptop computer. It was amazing, guys. Intel Core 2 Duo processor. I Googled that today so I could spout it off today. I don't remember that from 10 years ago. But I Googled it, and, and I was like, this is a dinosaur of a computer running Windows 7, okay? Like, it is an old, junky computer. But it was an instrument of wickedness in my life because I needed it for school, obviously. But also, for the first time in my life, I had a computer that didn't sit in the family room of my parents' house. And so I went off to college, and for the first time, I began to wrestle and struggle with things in my life, like internet pornography. That I was, I was allowing that to rule my life, and it began to shape the way I had uh, views on women. It shaped the, the effect it had on my relationships in my life. And honestly, it began to affect me and began to allow sin to grow and grow in my heart. I would have put myself in the middle chair and I would convince myself that, you know what, I go to church, I have a small group, I do the things, you know, I'm kind of split in half and half because I also have this instrument of wickedness, this computer that I'm chained to, that I'm looking at stuff I know I shouldn't, but I can't help myself. It's this pattern over and over again that we all know that we fall into. So what eventually happened was I finally got to the point where I was like, I, I'm tired of this one cheek on, one cheek off lifestyle that I'm having with Jesus. And I realized that if I'm doing that, what I'm really doing is I'm pushing Jesus all the way off and I'm just masquerading as someone who's living as Jesus. I was living a double life. I was one of those people who was pretending to be alive, but I was li actually living dead in my sins. And so what I was able to do and what God revealed to me in my life in that point in time is that what I was allowing to do was I was allowing sin 
to continue to sit on the throne of my life. And it was continuing to reign over me. And the way that played out, Paul closes in, in Romans 6, 14, he says this, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. The flip that switched in my life, the thing that got me to quit raising my hand every time someone asked me to follow Jesus was I finally began to understand what grace means. This idea of grace is this idea that, that Jesus paid the price for my sins. The ones that are not so bad, they're kind of harmless, like eating Oreos late at night maybe. Or the big ones, like getting hooked on looking at things on the internet I'm not supposed to. And what I began to do is I began to realize that so many of the things that I wrestled with in my life were a direct result of looking at that and putting, pretending that that was me, but all the while sitting here and allowing sin to continue to reign in my life. And it wasn't until I began to understand grace and I began to understand that Jesus wanted better for me than that, that he had a better plan for my life, that as long as I continued to allow sin to reign in my life, I was allowing the enemy to begin to tempt and lead me to places that I didn't want to be, that for the first time in my life, I looked over here and I said, no, I want Jesus to reign in my life because I believe that Jesus wants what's best for my life. And, and guys and girls in the room right now, Jesus wants what's best for your life as well. And it's not fair for you to go through your life living as a slave to something that doesn't want what's best for you. And the only thing that sin reigns in your life is that it becomes a master that destroys relationships. It becomes a master that destroys confidence. It becomes a master that destroys your life from the inside and then outward. If you find yourself constantly in and out of relationships, if you find yourself constantly in and out of friendships, if you find yourself constantly worrying and in, and in fear and in doubt and in insecurities that you deal with in your life, it's probably because there's something inside of you that is creeping out into your outward relationships. And it's probably something that sin is reigning in you that you need to surrender over to Jesus. Now, the good news I have for you tonight is that the whole point of all of this, the whole point of what Jesus came to live his life here on this earth to do was to help you be at a place in your life where you, you don't have to any longer allow sin to reign supreme of your life. Jesus came to say, hey, if you're that giant, you know, whatever, 17-ton elephant that is chained to a tree by a puny little rope that we call sin and it is reigning in your life, Jesus came with a pair of scissors and he died on the cross for your sins and rose again to cut that cord and say, hey, the gift of grace is the freedom from being slave to anything. For many people, they look at religion and they look at faith and they look at Jesus and they say, I don't want to follow those rules. I don't want to do all the things that those people do. They're hypocrites. They're, yeah, listen, church people get it wrong a lot. All of us are failures. All of us have stuff. All of us have sat in this chair at some point in time if we're not still sitting in it. But the good news is the gospel that Ryan talked about last week is that God made a way for all of us to be set free from that. And if you want to find freedom, you're going to have to get out of the sin, out of the reign of sin, and allow yourself to be surrendered to Jesus and who he is in your life. Now, that's going to take a lot of hard work. In my mind, I thought it was a light switch I could flip on and then everything would be easy. But it's not that way. The hard work of changing your heart, changing how you view people, changing how you work in relationships is going to take a long time. But there's no better time to begin than right now, tonight. For those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, 
you have the confidence to know that sin is no longer your master. It is literally no longer your master. Jesus defeated sin. He defeated death when he died and rose again. And for those of you who may not be ready to make that statement yet, that's fine. But I pray that you would begin to consider what are the things in my life that are reigning in me? What are the things in my life that I want to change that I don't feel like I have the power to? And begin to ask yourself, would, be, would the idea, would beginning to follow Jesus help me make steps to, in the direction of my life to where I actually do want to be? Folks, in your life, sin is always going to be a part of it. The temptation to sin, the consequences of sin, you're never going to escape them as long as you're on this earth. But Jesus made a way for you not to be a slave to it. He made a way for you to be set free from it and that when you make a mistake, you can live a new life free from the controls of sin. You might still deal with the consequences. You are always going to have the temptation. But he made a way for you not to live with the oppression and the doubt and the fear. And tonight, I want to invite you to a life that is what's best for you. And I don't believe that's ever in a life of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much just for what Paul teaches us in Romans, that all of us mess up. We're all dealing with stuff. Every one of us came in here tonight uh, carrying things from our lives that, uh, honestly, we would change if we could. Father, I pray that uh, the words from tonight are, serve as a reminder in our lives that uh, we all make mistakes, we all fall short, but there is a way for us to be set free from this pattern of life that we seem to fall into time and time and time again. Lord, I pray for courage and I pray for boldness for the young men and women in this room, that they would begin to think about what are the things in my life that I think should change? What are the things in my life that, God, you think should change? And what are the steps that I need to take to do so? For those in the room who have been believers for a long time, Father, I pray that you would begin to reveal those things to them in their lives, that you would send uh, people into their lives that would help them uh, to work on those things. For those in the room who maybe aren't ready to make that step yet, Father, you would just continue to draw them unto you, that you would continue to um, invite them to a life that uh, is better uh, than the one that they're living. And Father, for every single person in this room, I pray that you would just help us to make steps uh, to closer to you this week, that if we're not ready to put our faith in you, Lord, that we would at least come back next week and hear more about this new life that we can have in following Jesus. And it's in his name I pray, amen.